and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. Welcome to the second episode of our watch along of the anime adaptation of Angelic Lair. My name is Caitlin, and I'm a writer and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as a reviewer for Anime News Network, and my own blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. I'm joined today by fellow Anifem staffers, Dee and Mercedes. Hi, my name is Mercedes, and I am also an editor for Anime Feminist. I am an aspiring Japanese to English translator, uh, a recent returnee to America, and I sometimes review doujinshi now. So yeah, that's exciting. And uh, I'm Dee, um, one of the managing editors at Annie Femme. Uh, you can find all my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can hang out with me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. All right, so for today, we watched Angelic Lair, episodes 8 to 13, in which Misaki sweeps the competition in the tournament, uh, battles against gender roles, mm-hmm. and uh, discovers that she has a weak point, but isn't quite sure what. And we ended on a cliffhanger. And oh my god, we ended on such a cliffhanger. Half a battle. We got half a battle and we stopped. Uh, and I was like, dang it. It was <laughs> such a good cliffhanger. I was I was really excited. And then I remembered, oh, it's only to episode 13. Yep. But it's okay. As soon as we finish recording this, you can watch. Um, so how did you guys like these episodes? I really liked them. Honestly, I I felt like it was uh, this like second arc that we're going into was quite enjoyable. Um, Misaki smashes the glass ceiling a couple of times, which I was like, okay, cool. Um, I really like the uh, I really like the new characters that we're getting to interact with. My favorite showed up. Uh, Love it. So excited. Just yeah. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. It was really, really quite enjoyable. Yeah, I had a, I had a much easier time with this stretch. Um, I, I, I mentioned last week, and I, I downplayed it a little bit because the last stretch I thought ended pretty strongly. Um, I really struggled with the middle of that last batch of the first batch of episodes here. Um, this time, I thought they did a much better time balancing the character work with the tournaments and giving you like a better sense of who Misaki was fighting and why she was doing it and like the kind of uh, character development she was uh, gaining as she went and like growing as a person kind of things in in her, like both herself and her relationship with others. Um, so yeah, I. I, I think I will probably just never, tur- I, I struggle with tournament arcs in most shows. Like I've watched over a thousand episodes of Pokemon and y'all, I do not watch it for the tournaments. Uh, that's the part where I'm, <laughs> that's the part where I'm multitasking and doing other things. Um, and I don't, we don't need to get into all of the reasons why I struggle with tournament arcs. Um, so I'm probably never going to be like super into the tournament itself, but I think everything around it, this stretch was a lot stronger and more balanced mm-hmm. with what was going on in the tournament. So uh, yeah, I, I had a, I had a much easier time with this stretch. Um, it was, it was a pretty breezy watch. So that was nice. Yeah. Angelic Lair is pretty much just a, a big tournament arc. If you yeah. really think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But they do so strongly with the character work um, that it kind of incorporates what makes other sports series work alongside the tournament arc because you still get those episodes of character development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the fact that it is a sports series more so than like a battle anime 
um, makes the makes the tournament work a little bit better for me as well mm-hmm. because I, I have a I, stakes are a little bit. Um, I think the stakes are fairly low because as, as the characters themselves point out a lot, like Misaki, especially, she's like, it's a game. We're playing for fun. Like I want to win because I like this game and winning is fun, but it's a game. I I would say that the only character the stakes are actually kind of high for, mm, well, there's two, Hatako and Kaede. I would say that the stakes are a little bit higher for them, but like Misaki's just really chill. She's just super happy to be here. Um, Mm -hmm. I think she's kind of just surprised that she got this far. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, yeah. I kind of am, too, honestly. Like, her first time in the tournament and everything. It is nice that it's kind of just, like, it's a game. Let's have fun and mm-hmm. let's enjoy ourselves. Because even Ichan at one point mentions, like, it's a toy. <laughs> it's it's for fun. So that that is kind of nice. And I feel like they settled a bit more into that. Yeah, well, and I think they're doing a decent job of building some stakes around Misaki and her mom, because, like, clearly her mom has yeah. some concerns about meeting mm-hmm. up with her at this point, and we're not sure why, and we know she's working on some project that's not particularly good for her health, it seems like, but she's kind of powering right. through it anyway. Um so, like, I think having that, and this is, again, I'm going to try, I'm, I think I'm going to compare this to Gundam Build Fighters, like, five times today, and I apologize if that I happened. mean, it's <laughs> a valid they comparison. So, they are so similar to the point where I'm pretty sure Gundam Build, the people who made Gundam Build Fighters were inspired by Angelic Lair. Like, that's how much similarity points I'm finding mm-hmm. between the two. Um, but it's the same kind of idea where, like, they're toys in a game, you're playing for fun, like, nobody's actually in danger of getting hurt. Um build fighters build in an aspect of the robots actually do get completely wrecked and you have to then like repair them so even if you won your fight if your robot is like almost destroyed and you've got a day to turn it around like there's some stakes in there as far as damage and stuff goes um Mm -hmm. but oh what was the point i was gonna make here oh the first season of that also (laughs) had this i know what it was also had this undercurrent like kind of mystery arc working with some of the characters and like what was going on in the background of the battles and that really helped um make the first season really engaging whereas i thought the second season of that show was a little weak and so i think angelic layer is kind of doing the same thing where it's Mm -hmm. building up these character arcs and these like other and these mysteries going on in the background so like yeah we can we can cheer for misaki in this playing playing a fun game with her friends but also there's all this other stuff to kind of keep you Mm -hmm. coming back and keep you wondering what's going to happen next yeah, I, I when I told Jared about Angelic Lair, he was like, oh, it's just Gundam Build Fighters. And then he had to explain to me what Gundam Build Fighters was about. Well, there's a, uh, there's a, not, there's a not small chance I will end up writing some kind of a Versus article on the two of them um, based on their ooh, gender politics yeah. specifically. Um, but I'm still, obviously we're halfway through Angelic Lair. I don't right. know if that's going to happen or not. Well, so. I already have my Angelic Lair article that I'm planning to do. So <laughs> yeah, I like... I low key, I was watching again this morning and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to write something about this. Like, <laughs> It's going to be like when we did Fushigi Yugi and he and I both were like immediately, we have to write about this. Yeah. We need to say more. We need to say things in text form too. It happens sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause there's a, a lot to dig into with it. Um, there really in is. Terms of like gender politics and stuff like that with this. Yeah. The show makes it explicit. Yeah, we jumped with, right into it with this yeah. with, the, with the episode with oh, Rio. Boy, with uh, yeah, with Misaki Kun. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it it basically makes it like I mean, not basically. It does make it text that this is a sport, a combat sport 
that traditionally would be considered for boys and some boys are very uncomfortable with the fact that this is a combat sport that girls like and girls are good at and really dominate and well there's even a line in there um i can't remember who it is if it's i think maybe tamayo makes a comment about how it's weird for boys to be interested in angelic lair it it is it is it is because the misaki's like no i understand why he likes it yeah, and I really did like that Misaki immediately shot that down, like, because it basically came out to kind of be like, it's weird for boys to be playing with dolls, right? And then Misaki mm-hmm. went, no, that's fine. Boys can play with dolls. Don't be stupid. So, I, yeah, I, there was, there was a lot I liked in that episode, and then there was some stuff that kind of made my eyebrow twitch because it does sort of lean into gender essentialism here and there in ways that, mm-hmm. I mean, again, 2001. Um, but like the girls have a conversation about how boys are like naturally physically stronger. And that's not really, and that's really not examined despite like, Tom, like Tamayo makes a comment about like, well, I beat up Kotaro all the time. And they're like, yeah, but you're, you're not like other girls basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then there's a line later where they're like, where they're talking. Um, I think it's Misaki's mom and Ojiro are talking about like the, basically the importance of the emotional connection with the, with the layer dolls, which I think that aspect of the story is really cool because it is sort of that concept of like weaponized femininity, right? Like, yeah like building those literally those like femme coded like bonds of connection are what make you stronger in this game which i think that's really cool but the way she talks about it is like every girl names their dolls every girl has dolls and does this thing and i'm like oh come on i was thinking about you mercedes when she started (laughs) talking about that (laughs) me just sobbing over a barbie doll Yeah, because like that, and I I will say like, it's interesting watching a show that is so centered on like, girls and dolls as a kid that was never a doll kid. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm still as an adult, I'm not a doll adult. Um, But it it was interesting because they they had that section of like, girls name their dolls and dress them up. And I was like, no, no, not all hashtag not all girls because like, I, (laughs) I mean, I just didn't. I never I never had that phase and I never had that interest even. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. If I were in the if I were in the angelic lair world, I would be crying if someone gave me the doll. I would just be like, I don't want this. <laughs> I just want to watch. <laughs> until you until you found out they could punch. You know what? Until like, until they could punch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, yeah. okay, maybe I'm into yeah. this now. Yeah. Like, if they made an equivalent with, like, stuffed animals, I would be way more into it. But that would just be Pokemon. Well, and Pokemon also has that aspect of, like, you can name the characters, but you don't have to. And I was thinking, because, like, there's this concept in there about, like, boys don't name their toys, but girls do. Which, at first, I was like, that's, okay, one, it is, like, super gender gender essentialist and, like, obviously untrue. But I think maybe what they're talking about, and something I'd never really considered, is that the toys that are marketed to boys versus girls mm-hmm. tend to be more, um, like, I mean, it's that difference between, um, oh, what are the two kinds of fandoms? Uh, transformative and what's the other one? Curative. Um, Curative, yeah. And to me, it's kind of like the difference between that. We're like, because like my little nephew is collecting like Transformers and they already have names or, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the. Or like, you know, with like the Hot Wheels, it's like, oh, the car already has, the car is called a Pontiac, whatever, or, you know, I don't know cars. You guys get what I'm saying. <laughs> um, whereas I think a lot of the time with girl toys, like even Barbies, like they're all named Barbie. So you have to, like, that, that's not really their name. That's just like the, the brand. It's um, much more, f- I think toys that are aimed 
towards like AFAB kids are much more flexible. Yeah, like you said with the name, you can kind of you can kind of put yourself onto a Barbie doll. Yeah. When when I think about a lot of the toys I was into, because I was I had some Barbie dolls, mostly Disney princesses, but I was I didn't have a ton of Barbies. Um, I was more into like um, like Littlest Pet Shop or you know like plushies, like you were talking like Pound Puppies or Beanie Beanie Babies had names, but um, a lot of those like your Polly Pockets like. Mm-hmm. you were expected to give them their names. They didn't necessarily right. come with them. Or if they did, they were super downplayed. It wasn't like, you know, collect collect um, these five versions of Barkley the dog or whatever. <laughs> um, I made that up. I don't know if there was a littlest pet shop dog named Barkley. It's a good name that's, for a dog. I, I was going to say that's a good dog these, name. Um, <laughs> these toy horses that came with little name cards. Mm-hmm. Um, grand champions, but like I mean, yeah, or like the brat dolls all have names, right? Right. But like, right. The quote unquote girls' toys. Um, do like someone made a remark? It's like you walk into the the pink aisle at the store. It's like everything has faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Everything's yeah, just staring at so, you, which also kind of encourages you to make more of a connection and you know that that naming and then like like even later in i mean we're jumping ahead a little bit but you know kayade's thing with like thinking of the angel as her daughter is very similar to the way right um, a -hmm. lot not all but some girls will you know kind of you get the baby doll and it's like oh well this is my baby and it's that sort of um kind of like femme coded emotional familial connection behavior Mm -hmm. uh, kind of built Mm -hmm. into that that style of toy and it is it is actually quite interesting to see a series like talk about that, but yeah. not make fun of it. That's what I actually like is that at no yeah. point Angelic Laird yeah. doesn't make fun of it. It points it out, mm-hmm. and it and it it doesn't have a deep. It really never does. It never goes beneath the surface, but it doesn't make fun of it. If anything, like you see that Piffle Princess has dedicated. It's gone. It's like swan dived into providing this kind of entertainment that you know, the girls who come in want. It's fully embraced it, but it's not a joke. And I actually really like that. I do mm-hmm. really appreciate that, how how seriously Angelic Lair is taken. And uh, yeah. and I like that mm-hmm. I like that Rio's art kind of ends with him maybe embracing some femme coded qualities of himself that he was um reluctant to. Like the fact that he's I mean he's into Angelic Lair, which isn't weird. Boys should be able to play with dolls. But he's also like, you know, I'm gonna get a girl doll and I'm gonna actually name it and like, you know, kind right. of develop that right. connection. And he doesn't um, know quite how to name things. So he names <laughs> it after this girl he knows. But right. I, thought, uh, I thought that was actually really cute because I thought, oh, he looks up to her now and the doll has brown <laughs> hair, just like Misaki. Yeah. Um which which I have to admit, it's a big leap because I think like the robot doll he throws in is like giant ace. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, a little rough on the name, yeah. but it's a good one, kid. It's a good one. You try. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the thing like the thing that gets me with that episode is that um while well, yes, some of the some of the girls are like, ugh, boys are too too rough and like I mean the way they talk about boys is very very standard for it's pretty true to like seventh a fourth graders like yeah it's it's the, when they're just like boys are just like they're just loud and um <laughs> like and like you know nature versus nurture whatever like that it is generally true for how boys of that age behave but like oh, it, their conversation it, totally read true to life to like conversations yeah. i remember from so middle school and i would have been in middle school at the same time these kids were so yeah. um <laughs> well and I, yeah. i'll say i'll say listening to them talk 
Um, so I, I just left being an English teacher, right? And uh-huh. listening to them talk, I was like, oh, yeah, this is just how my kids talk yeah. about boys. <laughs> but um, yeah. the one who, who shows, like, the most adherence to, like, gender roles and toxic masculinity, which is then challenged, is Misaki-kun Ryo himself. And, mm-hmm. like, the way that he behaves at being... Um, bested in competition by girls is very very also very real to how a lot of guys act when they are when girls are better than them at something yeah. you know they yeah he, he kept that trying to find excuses cheating it must yeah. be foul play so the fact that that is actively challenged and actively denied is something you know and made explicit mm-hmm. is something that i thought was really great to see because uh, you'll find in, I mean, shonen anime doesn't really compete against it, but you know it's such a reversal of these usual sort of situations where Misaki, uh, where it's one girl with a bunch of boys and she has to work, you know, ten times harder to prove herself, and that's like, mm-hmm. I mean, those narratives have a place, but a boy coming into a female dominated thing and just throwing an absolute tantrum that he yes. is not the best at it because he's yeah. a boy and fighting boys is for boys yeah and yeah and boys are just better at things i like i like how um i like how army saki also kind of had to deal with her own sort of internalized expectations yeah. about that mm-hmm. like in a very different way than he did where she was like well but I never was able to beat the boys in physical activities. It's like, yeah, Misaki, that's because you're a klutz. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not because you're a girl. It's because you are small and clumsy. Yeah, right. um, but you know, she she struggles early on in that fight because she has this. She has kind of this like baked in belief that like, well, no, I guess maybe I can't beat a boy at a fighting mm-hmm. event, um, and kind of has to work through that and be like, no, 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 I need to like, you know, trust in myself and play to Hikaru's strengths and just like do my thing. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. she does, and she womps him, which is great. She's she's yeah, really it's... insecure about that sort of stuff. It's really easy to throw her off her mental game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, and, and I mean, this reoccurs all throughout this entire kind of, like, the beginning of this arc. Mm-hmm. But there are multiple times where she's just like, I can't do it. And then she'll hear people cheering, and that snaps her back. And she she gets very in her head. Which I kind of liked because I feel like as a as an early teenager, you're very in your head. You feel very insecure about the world. I mean, I'm sure that there's confident teenagers out there. I was not one of them. <laughs> and But I remember, you know, you feel so in your head and it's so easy to get discouraged. But mm-hmm. like someone cheering you on, someone supporting you instantly just snaps you back to it. And, and it felt, I like that she was written that way, that she was written to be... Her her insecurity is definitely, like, a little bit exaggerated. I mean, because it makes for a more dramatic scenario when she's feeling like the underdog and she hears them cheering and she comes back. But, yeah, I mean, she's she's a very in-her-head character. But it's kind of it's kind of nice to see, like, the shonen lead mm-hmm. have to cope with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Boy, we talked 20 minutes about one episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have to pick up well i think of this stretch like like there's i mean there's just a lot of feminine relevance in that episode and mm-hmm. it, it yeah you know harkens back to some of the stuff we talked about last time so um i expected that to take up most of this conversation honestly. yeah no, it's, i mean it's a great episode and it's one that is really really worth digging into mm-hmm. um but there's some 
other stuff that I'd like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, we can go episode by episode because this is it's not episodic, but like each episode or pair of episodes is fairly self-contained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next episode, she fights Ringo, the idol. Favorite, favorite character. <laughs> I love Ringo. Ringo is great. I love this child. <laughs> when I was first watching the show, um, my sister, who hates anime, decided to be rude um, because she looked over my shoulder and saw the subtitle. She's like, Ringo? You mean like the Beatles? You know, Ringo's real name was Richard Starkey, so I'm going to car- call that character Richard. I'm just like, whatever. Now I know that Ringo means apple. So, I was going to say, like, that's when you turn around and say, no, Ringo is an apple. Well, unfortunately, I was um, 12 years, twelve or 13 years old oh, when I watched dang. this. So. No, that wouldn't have worked out so well no. for you. Like, no, my sister was just being a brat. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, Ringo is delightful. She, um, she. I mean, her, her episode also kind of plays into, like, that idea of, of Misaki being kind of insecure and feeling mm-hmm. like she can't necessarily measure up to the people around her and the importance of the support of her friends, which, Mercedes, you kind of already touched on that, so probably don't need to dig too much into it there. Mm-hmm. I just like Ringo's just great y'all he she is. is just great she does not like working which <laughs> she, she, likes, she, she likes working but she doesn't like everything like she loves being on the stage but like everything around that she's yeah. trying to avoid yeah and it, it's which it's is relatable hilarious. it's yeah, yeah. And, and it is relatable because like yeah I also wouldn't want to do idol training Mm-hmm. Like, I she's just she's just great and I love how quickly she's just like you and me Misaki we're friends her for life and her little her little moment her little moment with Tamayo where they're both like you're super straightforward and just say what you think I like you and they give each other thumbs up it was like <laughs> perfect yeah uh, yeah Ringo was yeah. great I'm sorry I promise I'm not gonna make too many more Gundam Build Fighters uh, comparisons today, but I do have to make one to Ringo because there is an idol in Build Fighters, and she's very much played, especially like she she ends up being pretty endearing, but she's very much played as like I don't even like this stupid game. It's just an easy way for me to become famous as an idol because there aren't any idols who there aren't any like Gundam idols basically. That's um, so funny. Yeah, and she eventually like. Build Fighters has an issue with the way it, it I, I love, I, I genuinely, genuinely like that show a lot, um, but it has some issues with its female characters, but like the, the idea of like, I mean, it kind of leans into this idea of like, well, girls don't actually like playing with Gundam. She's just here for like girly things, like being an idol and being famous. And she's so sh- selfish and shallow. And she kind of realizes that she sort of genuinely enjoys it uh, to a point. And the show is, the show is kinder to her than I'm making it out to be. Um, but I really like that Angelic Layer has a character who's kind of in a similar place and yeah. genuinely mm-hmm. loves Angelic Layer. Like, this is not a career thing. This is not just a, just the passing fancy like. She's like, no, I like, I like both of these things. I want to do both of these things. And she's a very competent player. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, she made it to the, this big tournament. She's, she's a good player for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I do really appreciate their decision to explicitly god i this is a word i've seen written a lot but haven't heard pronounced a lot so forgive me if i say it wrong eschew sure mm-hmm. yeah i know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah eschew um the sort of uh tragic backstory like why does she play narrative um 
in favor of just being like she just really likes it right um because uh the tragic backstory thing is something that we get a lot of with a lot of the other characters yeah that's true but I like that, you know, you can have both. You can have characters who play for, like, some kind of reason. You can have characters who play just because they love it. Yeah. Um, it, I also just want to say I love that her, um, I love that her angel has such a cute design. Oh, super cute. It's mm-hmm. so cute. And I, I will say, so I'm still watching the dub because... <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's that's where just you started. Uh, that's where I started. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going to end. Oh, I remembered one of the. Uh, I remembered something about the dub, though. Do you guys know who plays the announcer? No, Vic Mignona. Oh God, no! Ooh, I knew I that. Was that say. God, I knew. I knew that voice sounded uncomfortably familiar, well, and I was, was like, back mm. when he did like different voices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know he he did kind of just land into that one voice. Yeah, not a lot one, of range. One voice to creep them all out. Um, <sighs> no, I, I was, uh, I will say, like, one of the interesting things is, is her angel's name is different oh, from the manga. Is, what is it in the manga? In the manga, it's Lanka. Oh, it's, okay. So, and, yeah. and like, I haven't, it's I haven't read the differently. I haven't read the dark horse edition like i'm going off of my tokyo pop edition knowledge but it was mm-hmm. lanka and i actually kind of like ranga a little bit better it's closer to like mm-hmm. yeah but uh i like i liked ranga i thought she was mm-hmm. cool yeah sort of starts bringing the special techniques sort of thing instead of just yeah. and punching Super i mean it was good i i love a cute character that likes to punch and kick a lot (laughs) yeah same here because i am also a cute character who likes to punch and kick a lot (laughs) which is why i like you it's great (laughs) there we go (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh speaking yeah speaking of uh localization and different ways to do it if you guys really want to treat pause and check out like some of the english that's written out on the screen oh Oh, yeah it's it's it's, pretty delightful yeah (laughs) it's it's choice it's very choice it's very good i'm always surprised on productions of of any any language because like in english you'll see you'll see like english shows you'll see terrible translations of other languages as well i'm Mm -hmm. always surprised like you you're part of like a big studio you can you have to be able to find somebody who can quality check this right (laughs) and i I guess the assumption is just that like people aren't going to stop and pause but they forgot about us Mm -hmm. they forgot about us they didn't know about podcasts in the year 2001 (laughs) yeah yeah because it i mean like sometimes you stop and click and you're like wow (laughs) like someone did not check at mm-hmm. all uh like did you see how blanche's name is is spelled out in the <laughs> oh, no, what is it? no i missed Brand that here. no no poor blanche poor blanche no mm-hmm. oh no that's rough yeah <laughs> yeah because i i have to say they they also, um, they definitely mispronounced uh, one of the angels' names in the dub. And I was like, oh, no, somebody also didn't check this. Oh, <laughs> poor, poor Shirahime gets Shirahima. And no! I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, that's <laughs> no, not that at all. You should know better. That's not it at all. They should oh. know Hime. Like, I was like, Come on. oh, no. Shirahima? <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's Oof. bad 
they did that bad. They did. Yeah. They did bad. I, oh like I said, I mean, like I said, the dub is a two thousands treat. Just watch it and yum yum yum. Eat it up. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It was yeah, that was my impression of it for the little bit I watched too. I was like, mm-hmm. this is definitely circa two thousand. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's got that real two thousands vibe, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. All right, um, let's talk about Madoka and Alice also. So uh, here's where we get the characters who are unhealthily competitive because mm-hmm. they are obsessed with beating Hatako and only Hatako, and thus. They are bitter and angry and will stop at nothing to get just to the whole, just to that part of the competition. They're mean. And I don't like it. They're mean. They're the mean <laughs> They're sisters. They're so mean. mean. Um, I mean, like, they did not hesitate to cheat. They were just like, oh, you're dull. She's so cute. Let me stick this little thumbtack-sized transmitter in her neck. Here you go. Mm-hmm. hope you do good sweetie i was like wow they just really they just cheated like that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they, and the way they talk about it kind of makes it sound like they've done this before yeah mm-hmm. so um i'm glad they lost uh, <laughs> i have i have a question their last name is fujisaki um but they dress like they're from china kind of i mean they dress like anime dresses chinese characters yeah um was that appropriation or I think I, or an undercurrent of xenophobia what are we dealing with here i think i think it's both actually yeah I, yeah i think because i think they're all wearing their school uniforms yeah i i think it's both for sure unfortunately mm-hmm. um because yeah like there's no mention of them being like chinese and japanese which would have been great Maybe, well, maybe Mao could be, well, no, because Mao is also a Japanese name. Well, Mao is their doll's name. So oh, right. yeah. Yeah. they named Oops. their doll Mao Oops. because Madoka, um, right. well, and like Madoka studied Kung Fu. So yeah, I just, it's, I, it's I definitely Madoka and Alice, point. yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's and like I, a Ranma situation. I have, I, the, I, yeah. Ranma and Ranma and half wears Chinese clothes. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the situation there was, but I definitely had a moment where they were. We found out they were like the only characters we've met so far who kind of suck because like cheaters, the worst, mm-hmm. um, and were the ones that they had like you know given the doll a Chinese name and had dressed them up in like you know traditional mm-hmm. Chinese outfits. Where mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, that was a choice you made there. Oh, Show yeah, that at all. Yeah, I, it just it just struck me at some point. Well, you know why it struck me is because I thought Mao was one of the characters' names, and then I realized it was the doll's name. Right. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, the, oh, they're Chinese. And I'm like, okay, they're not. Well, huh. well and, and here's the thing, too, is like, so it, it said really quickly, they practice kung fu. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe it is a Ranma situation. <laughs> and, like, I mean, and, I, yeah, mean, cause I, mean like- I feel like, I feel like that kind of era, you had a lot of characters that just inexplicably wore Chinese clothing. And it was just, it was just like a thing. I think Ron might have that trend off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Monaco and Alice are also, they start talking about age shouldn't matter in Angelic Lair. And that's always, always kind of frustrating to me because that's such a clamp thing. And yeah. at least we don't have any romances between elementary school children and their teachers this time. Oh, God. Yeah. Did Clamp the, do that? Oh, that's yeah, Hardcaptor Sakura. 
Oh yeah. no. Um, the anime, oh, the anime no. really downplays it, so you don't notice. But the manga is a lot more creepy about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh no, that's not good. But no. like, it's like it's, to me, it's always like, come on, clamp. Like, yes, age matters. Yeah, age age does development matter. is a thing. <laughs> like, yeah, because. Because when age doesn't matter, you end up with 10,000-year-old prophet child, Hatako, as, like, mm-hmm. your voice of wisdom. And, like, age does matter. And I don't think it's a bad thing that age matters in some cases, right? Like, no. It's, it's just, not it's bad. It's a fact. Yeah. 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 In fact, well, it can be, it can actually be a really good thing that your age matters. It can keep... A teacher from dating your elementary age child, card captor Sakura. No, <laughs> you broke Mercedes, Caitlin. <laughs> as, as someone who's never seen or read Sakura, I'm very worried now. It, if you watch the anime, um, it basically just reads in the anime, it reads like the kid has a crush on her teacher, and her teacher is just a nice guy. Like okay. that's yeah. that's because watching the anime, I remember not finding it creepy, and then I found out from people who read the manga that like no, in the manga it's implied that he reciprocates, and I'm like no, 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 bad no, 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 um, no. But yeah, no. no, in the anime it just it just reads like this uh, what ten year old or twelve year old has a crush on her teacher, and I'm like yeah, that happens, that's yeah. fine. Okay. Yeah, um, okay. no, so you I, can, I you never can have a problem. Anime. I never have a problem with students crushing on teachers, but teachers reciprocating is a problem. Yeah, um, that's a no no. Yeah. Well, and I get that one of Angelic Lair's big things is this idea that because the game is like controlled via headspace, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm, about like mm-hmm. your imagination and your observation and creativity and things like that, which is why mm-hmm. Misaki's so good yeah. at this game. She has a really good imagination and memory. Um, right. And so I I get that their kind of their main point is like they see it as like this equalizer. Like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you're from or who you are, or how small yeah. or tall or what your gender is or all this stuff. And I like that they're going for that. But as you mm-hmm. pointed out, like in a in a game that is like you know based on um, your like ability to think coherent thoughts to make a doll move, like age does matter because developmental, like uh, yeah, yeah. Anything else I'm willing to like ignore, even though stuff like like stuff like coordination and reaction time would still matter. Like it's not like a total great equalizer. Um, and like physical abilities can translate into sort of the mental acuity with that sort of stuff. Um, I'm willing to sidestep that all, but like age, age doesn't matter. It's something that really always really gets to me. Yeah. The, the other thing about Angelic Lair's, uh, whole, cause they, they kind of talk about that with Ringo where Misaki's like, oh, right. It doesn't matter that she's a famous idol who has all these fans, like here in the ring, we're equals. Um, and I did have the thought. They do cost a lot of money, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, because you true. you can you can kind of tell the difference too, because you have like Ringo, Monica, and Alice. Well, Monica and Alice, like their whole thing is that they build custom dolls. So, mm-hmm. like, assumably these kids are just rolling in the yin. Yeah, and, <laughs> like everyone we see, like they have like their own rooms that are these big rooms like that's expensive in tokyo like i didn't have my own room growing up and i grew up in la right meanwhile misaki cut her doll's hair with like child safety scissors there's a difference there's a big difference between like ringo who you know is assumably a successful idol who sings about angelic (laughs) lair 
just yeah. funny. Right. Like she's probably getting like promotional fabrics and skins and you know. It's Yeah, well and, and I mean even with Misaki who is like pretty pretty thoroughly I would say like middle class. I mean she and she spent what all of her spending money to buy the doll, but right. the fact that she had spending money at all gives her a leg up over some people who probably just can't afford these dolls. Right? Because um, I, I do not expect the show to ever address that. Right? Because <laughs> I did have the thought while watching. I was like, so like, I mean, Japan has a lot of secondhand shops, and I was like, in this world, is there like some book off in Japan that just like has secondhand angelic lair dolls, and how like. How is there a market for that, or do people just keep them? Is mm-hmm. because it's kind of a luxury good. And then it occurred to me, I was like, oh, this anime is never going to touch on that. No. That's for the fan fiction. Like, yep. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. To overanalyze the uh, the socioeconomic. I mean, but like <laughs> implications be- of angelic layers. <laughs> the feminist yeah. killjoys. Uh. But I mean, you. I, I did like have that thought. I was just like, yeah, this is kind of a prohibitive sport because if you can't, if you can't afford like the laptop and the rings and the setup and the special fabrics and a replacement skin, yeah, you can't play mm-hmm. the sport. Like, yeah, you you can't. You just can't. Yeah. No. It's uh, it. They definitely don't get into that. Like everyone's backstory is more like. <laughs> Um, this one thing happened and then, you know, this is what connects me to Angelic Lair and maybe I'm sad about it. But anyway, let's, let's just move on. I don't have a graceful segue. No, 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 um, that's, that's fine. <laughs> but I thought, um, like what made like Monica and Alice like really important within the narrative is that like most of the characters do have a really healthy attitude towards competition. Right. Um, and they're all like generally very friendly and caring to each other. And so it was... I think it's valuable to have an example of characters who are like who who are not doing not good the competition healthily. Yeah, they're yeah. not good yeah. sports. Um, they are bitter and angry and frustrated that they lost and they lost yeah. to a, a four year old. Uh, <laughs> God, which, inexplicably. Once again, whatever. Uh, moving on, I think if looking at the series at kind of a didactic point of view. Um, mm-hmm. Because there is an element of didacticism in it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of very like this is uh, good lessons for like young viewers. It's it's a show for you know twelve thirteen year olds, so I think mm-hmm. it's yeah. totally fine to to throw in some life lessons in there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and so it's really interesting to see how it's kind of like don't do this. This is not a healthy competitive. Like you may feel this way. It covers some really ugly feelings, like. Because mm-hmm. when Misaki lost, you know, she was upset and she was crying and she was saying how badly it hurts. But overall, she handled it really well. Yeah. Uh, and so I think seeing there's a lot of value in seeing characters who didn't handle it well. Mm-hmm. Right. And who ultimately overcome that feeling and decide that they're to move forward and to be better. Yeah. And I mean, and that's that's Monica for sure. Like at the end is like, you know what, I want to play the game fairly. I'm kind of tired of cheating and kind of tricking my way Mm -hmm. through. I don't want to necessarily pursue this kind of vengeance against this five-year-old child. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Whereas her sister is super not necessarily happy with that. Her sister's kind Mm -hmm. of frustrated because that's how they've operated. That's how the team works. 
Um, but well, that kind of teamwork. And, <laughs> she's young and developmentally age does matter. So. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Unless, right. unless you're a thousand year old spirit reincarnated with all of your memories intact, like Hatako. I mean, Hatako. <laughs> I have fully subscribed to your. I have fully subscribed to your head canon, Mercedes. Like, yeah, I mean, this, this tiny sage that's straight out of like Fire Emblem, like the dragons there, is just here to be like, it's okay. Let peace reign in our game. <laughs> Hatako, you're five. You, this child can't cross the street unassisted. Like, <laughs> just, but like, I, I do like that, to go back to Madoka, I do like that she ultimately, that in that, at the end, like she takes out the transmitter and she's just like, oh, it was a bit of lint. And like, she's soundly decided, you know what, this is not a good way. It's not a kind way to play this mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. Because Angelic Lair really is about sympathy. It's about sympathizing with your doll. It's about sympathizing with others. And mm -hmm. that's part of the fun is being yeah. kind. Yeah. Which um, I, re I really a, like. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sense of community. And you see that sort of with... Um, at the end of the episode with the semi-finalists, like, Sai noticing that Misaki is nervous and taking her hand. And then, of course, saying, I look forward to seeing if you if you uh, overcome Hikaru's weakness, which... Stone cold. Which could no be... Fresh. No fresh. <laughs> which I don't think it was, but it could be, like, a masterful way of, like, playing mind games with Misaki. I suspect it was Sai's way of try of kind of trying to push Misaki towards improving. Yes. That was yes. the way I read it. Like, this yes. is a worthy rival who I who I know this there's this issue, and she's going to get destroyed if she doesn't figure right. out what it is. So I can't just give her the answer because that wouldn't help her grow. Yeah. But I'm going to clue her into it at least. Mm -hmm. it, it felt very much like cool big sis. Mm -hmm. She yeah. had this very gentle smile on her face when she said that. But, like... If this were a more like a more malicious game, like that would be such a great psych out. For, yeah, it would um, be. That's true. Did they did they say what her weak point is in this? The, they no. haven't. They'll they had they hinted at it mm -hmm. in the final episode that we watched, but they haven't right. flat out said what it is. Right. Um. And so. We get also Misaki have going on a date? Question it, mark. It felt, it felt like a date until that moment. Until oh, yeah, the Tamayo the, Kotaro moment. I was like, yeah. well, this is not this is a date. That was not a date. <laughs> Tamayo was it was very rude of her to come crashing in. Um, whether or not it was a date, just sort of in like coming in and interrupting Kotaro while he was trying to help Misaki. I well, mean, she's clearly she's clearly caught multiple feels for Kotaro. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like uh, Tamayo is having like a little bit of a bisexual moment because like she clearly cares about Misaki, she cares about Kotaro. I think she's just trying to be a good friend to both. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh my heart. Like, I mean, that's my headcanon is like, I would love for her to just turn out to be in love with both of her friends. That would be mm -hmm. fine. OT3 ending. Why not? I mean, I mean, they're 13, so they'll all hold hands together for like yeah. six months and then break up. But right. No, but like, I mean, because like the music drops down 
it get mm-hmm. like it there's kind of like the little like sparkle sound effect in the music mm-hmm. and she's like you know Misaki's a great girl mm-hmm. she's friendly yeah. she's pretty and you're like wait <laughs> wait a minute the lighting Tomayo gets has... really moody for a second. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. All there's, of a sudden... there's, there's that little bit of blur that they put over like scenes that are supposed to be read as romantic. And it it's kind of like whiplash because assumably Kotaro and Misaki are supposed to be on a date, which like, I mean, you know, I love to take people I'm dating to watch me do karate, of course. <laughs> it's a great date. <laughs> it's but like the, it, it's it's a weird moment and I was I, I honestly don't remember what happens in the manga with that but I was like are they the couple we're supposed to be rooting for? I don't know. Yeah. Tamayo's got that childhood friend syndrome real yeah. hard. Yeah. Yep. She's still like way too mean to Kotaro but I get that but like I've got a little bit of a better grip on her in terms of like she is a person who like her base interaction with people is to goof around with him and tease yeah. them. That is that is like how she interacts with the world, and I definitely knew kids like that. Who, oh yeah, hell, hell, sometimes I was that kid, and it veered into like, you know, being very being insensitive or jerkish, and mm-hmm. like you didn't necessarily realize it. It was just like that's how you uh, navigated like relationships. So right, yeah, um, I felt for her a little bit this stretch. I don't really know what they're going to do with the romance. I'm glad it's like kind of a background element, but right. uh, yeah. I have to say, you know, last time when we talked, I was like, not really digging to Mayo. Y'all this time. Liked her better? I was like, this is my girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure. like, this girl stands up for Misaki all mm-hmm. the time. Does not does. take any smack. Will like toss you across the room was like Misaki my girl my future wife cooks so good (laughs) and I was just like I'm really here for this really healthy female friendship that they have where like Tamayo just accepts Misaki as the clumsy mess that she is and is like this is my friend don't hurt her I love it I love it I'm just really here for her yeah, I, I like their relationship a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a little weird when Tamayo uh, said she was going to be Misaki's first time. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Was, <laughs> Did I miss and it? Was even, and it was even weirder when her aunt said, oh, no, that's going to be me. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So the, the, episode where... the dub changed that. The dub definitely changed the context of that. Well, that's smart. That was a yeah. smart choice. Because yeah, I, I was, I was like, they, they just joked like, "Oh, I'm gonna be Isaki's first girlfriend," and I was like, "Ha ha ha, jokes! I'm gonna be your wife." Like, I first time. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, a little uh... bit. that's a little bit. Yeah, I mentioned last week that like when when her aunt was like, "Marry me," I thought that was kind of I was like, "Oh, it's a cute teasing moment of like, oh, you cook such good food, marry me, ha ha ha." Uh, this nope. time I was like, "Hey, aunt, it was weird, that's creepy, that's weird." Like, I know yeah. you're not being serious, but it's still weird. That's still a weird um, joke. Also, is it fair for me to assume that Kaede and Sai are a couple? Can I assume that? Okay, that like, safe? yeah, I mean, because those, those are the vibes I get off of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way that they look at each other. The way that, like, Kaede looks so tenderly at Sai, yeah. I mean... And maybe I just I just read a lot of 90s shoujo, and so I assume that that's their relationship. But that was the vibe I got. I, I definitely got a, a Uranus and Mercury vibe off of those two. I mean, I think I have a note in my, like, eight pages of notes I took that says, like, oh, 
it's Yuri. <laughs> like, Excellent. Yeah, I mean, like, they, they definitely have that vibe. And, like, I mean, I don't know if Clamp took it there in the manga. I can't remember, but they should have. Like, they should have just been like, oh, this is my tall girlfriend, Sai. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, it's, yeah, it's just so good. Like, this... I really like the characters that we have now. I like I really like the characters that we've been introduced to, which ugh, just so good. Kaede, she's a really I don't like that they say Kaede has a healing smile and I see that in the show notes. I don't mm-hmm. like that. You don't so, like her the healing smile. Can you, I can you it, talk about why that bothers you? Why you don't care for it? It bothered me so like cuz when 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 she's coming out in that in her in the arc that starts off the fight with Hikari and Blanc the announcer mentions like at some point in a flashback her healing smile and I think it bothered me because I don't know like women afab people are told so often right like mm-hmm. smile like oh you know smile more you should yeah. be more polite you should smile more often to make others comfortable mm-hmm. and it, it made me sad for Kaede because I was like, how many times has she been told to smile? How has, what got her earmarked as her being the girl with like the pretty smile? And yeah. it just, it, it just kind of broke my heart because, you know, young women, young Japanese women are often told to smile, to, you know, make mm-hmm. themselves appear a certain way, to kind of force themselves into a certain behavior to make everyone else comfortable, to be the healing one, to be the one mm-hmm. that provides the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And that, it just really got, it really made me upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I could see that for sure. Yeah. Well, and I, Kaida is, I would say, of all the characters we've met so far, she is the most sort of traditionally feminine. Yeah, yeah in terms extremely. Of like her presentation and appearance. Um, and, and even like, and even like the, the way they kind of tie her to the concept of motherhood, which. Um, yeah. I do like that it's not just, it's not just like a doll is your child, which is again, a thing that a lot of kids do. Um, right. It, it's also, she, her mom is like, her mom is dead, right? Her mom has passed. Was that the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I think so. Yeah, I was like, unless I'm, I was like, maybe I drastically misread that. But cause when she's talking to the doll, she makes some comment about like, um, I'll be your mom because like, I don't have, like, you should have a mom. I, even though I don't or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, and so I do like that. It's not just for her. It's not just like a, oh, well it's because she's a soft feminine girl. And so naturally right. she's going to be a mom. It's also this like using, using like the, the toys, the, you know, the, the hobbies in your life to kind of maybe fill some of those, those gaps in your day to day and that, that family um, bond that she's been missing and finding a way to like connect to that. Yeah. Well, Angelic Lair is um, very much about um, the characters use their, their angels as almost like proxy selves. Yeah. So they tend to project whatever is going on with their own selves onto their angels. Uh, Which which is interesting because Blanc doesn't smile. Like her doll um, doesn't yeah. smile at all. Which, yeah, like oh god, oh, I hadn't poor. thought about that. Yeah, her doll <laughs> never sad. smiles. Yeah, it it's kind of heartbreaking. Like, <laughs> oh, my heart for Kaede. Oh, yeah, her doll doesn't smile at all. At least right now, we like Blanc is very has a very flat affect. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Yeah, and we've seen the other dolls emote, so we know that they, right. they can. Like, it's not just like a like an across the board thing. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out more about Kaede next time. Yeah, I. The, the connection between moms and daughters was, mm-hmm. I mean, just mm-hmm. since we have a few minutes here. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and I wanted to talk about Misaki and her mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so they fi- they made it explicit. The champion is Misaki's mom. Yeah. Uh, and they have been avoiding each other Since for a very long time. Misaki so long. makes the saddest comment. She's like, oh, I get to see my mom. I haven't seen her since kindergarten. But I know why she's been too busy to see me. And yeah. I was just like... I mean, I had to stop and lay on the floor so I could weep. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, Misaki is, what, she's 12? Yeah. That's a long time. That's seven years. Mm-hmm. There's a and lot she, that happens in those seven years. I mean, I was just heartbroken. And, I mean, I, you know, who, it's not really clear what's happening with her mother other than she has a capital illness yeah mm-hmm. but like i mean yeah I, I i'm really i really want them to see each other i just mm-hmm. i need it like and i and i i actually thought it was quite sweet that like her mother watches me Mis- one of misaki's fights and is cheering for her and is really excited for her daughter yeah <sighs> yeah which is why like finding out the reason why it's like you better have a damn good reason for not being around her because you clearly care about her mm-hmm. but right. that doesn't mean it's okay to neglect her for 7 years. So. Yeah. So yeah. better reason than in the manga, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I've talked about this with um the staff but I would if anyone out there's listening who this is their lane, I would love an article about disability and misaki's mom like yeah i'm and, curious yeah. to see what they because right now it's sort of incidental that she i mean she uses a wheelchair we know she's sick like it's not mm-hmm. the show isn't playing it up in it's it's played very neutrally thus far yeah um, but i'm curious to see if it ever comes into the story in terms of like you know being ableist as hell which is kind of what i'm yeah. bracing myself for but yeah we'll i'm see. i'm very prepared for it to be a um very of the time and well and arguably of right now, in a way, kind of reflection of how disability is seen in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very braced for that to mm-hmm. probably make me upset. Like, I mean, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because well, yeah. I was actually, I was going to what if we talk about, maybe we should save that for another podcast because we're getting close to the hour and I guarantee mm-hmm. we're going to have more time to talk about yeah. uh, Misaki's mom in the next two yeah. stretches. Unless you know something I don't, Caitlin, unless they kill her mom off in the next episode. Oh, God. <laughs> this is our only chance to talk about it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, it turns out next episode that the chair is just a fake prop. No, oh, uh, oh you know, got Munchausens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I definitely, I think in the next part because I, I'll, and I'll just throw this out there. Part of part of my work when I worked as a teacher in Japan, I worked for schools with disabilities. So I worked at a oh, school. Okay. Yeah, I worked at a school okay, for. Great. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm really interested from that perspective to see how are they going to play that. Yeah, I absolutely and I absolutely want to hear your um your thoughts on it and and more kind of like you were. It's a teaser mm-hmm. for next week's folks. You yeah, gotta you got to yeah. come back. Mercedes talk about how disability is treated and handled in Japan. Uh, yeah, I mean, spoiler alert: 
it's probably the way you think it is. It's not great. <laughs> but yeah. it, is getting, it is getting better. Which is great. Yeah. Which is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah All right. That would be a great point to start off with next time. Yeah. Uh, just very quickly, any predictions? Oh, I just, I'm just, because I'm just going to wish it into existence. Sai and Kaede, girlfriends, hand-holding. Maybe All like right. a kiss on the cheek. All right. Yeah, I would Conf- love that. Yeah. Um, I think Misaki. Ooh, with it, will it be in the next six, or will it not be until the very end? Well, Misaki's either going to go up against Hatoko or her mom. Um, well, she's going to go up against both of them eventually at some point. But yeah. I'm going to say next I- time is a big Hatoko showdown. Mm-hmm. I think Misaki's going to win it. I I do too. I do too. I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Next episode, we're going to be watching episodes fourteen to nineteen. Have to do okay. a little bit of math real quick. Okay, so six next time. Yeah, so yes, six episodes next. You know, if you enjoyed what you heard and you would like to hear us continue and to support us, you can donate to us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash anime feminist. It would be really helpful. A little goes a long way right now. Um, And always, even a dollar a month um, adds up very quickly. And it's, you know, we don't advertise... Uh, we use our Patreon to fully fund the site. Um, you can also check out our Twitter for all of the latest articles and t- discussion topics. Twitter.com slash Anime Feminist. Our Tumblr, uh, AnimeFeminist.tumblr.com. And our Facebook, Facebook.com slash Anime Femme. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Angel out. <laughs> I like that. I pictured you dropping a mic after you said that. <laughs> <laughs>